that's, uh, that's why we do sports right there, is uh, we know that uh, sports is a, is a platform in which we can build relationships. And, uh, and game day is one of those platforms. Game day is a, a children's sports platform. There's sports for high school kids, for college kids, for old cranky people like me. Uh, and if you, if you look and say, but you're young, then you're an old, old person uh, cranky like me. But we just look and we realize that in our community, as we're trying to love our community, connect, connect with our community and connect our community to Christ, uh, that sports is a neutral playing field uh, where you can just build relationships and you can make those connections and, uh, and build friendships and build relationships and then kind of let God take it from there. Uh, we're talking about that. We, last couple of weeks, in the, uh, we've been talking about uh, All In, All Out. And so uh, if you're not familiar with All In, All Out, All In, All Out was a, a vision focus of Grace Church in 2019. And uh, it involved three main areas. One was the sports ministry and expanding uh, the sports ministry. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people uh, who participate in sports ministries at Grace Church every week. There are thousands that watch those hundreds play. So parents, grandparents, those kind of things. It's this massive front porch of, of, uh, to our community and for our community. And so we knew that, that that field was kind of wide open for us. And that's why we decided to build that big building that's going up. That's what that is. That's a sports ministry complex. We had to put it where our nurseries used to be. So the front of it is our nurseries, our new nurseries. And uh, the back of it is a sports ministry complex. And that's because we see how effective it is reaching people those ways. So that's a part of All In, All Out. The other part was raising up leadership to facilitate 30 and 30, that we'd make disciples, make disciples, groups that make groups, churches that start churches. And then the, the other part of it was uh, to uh, help build a inpatient opioid recovery center. We call it Re- Restore Recovery Center. And uh, we gave to that. We committed financially to that. We got behind that. Over a 1,000 different families in the church supported that. And uh, we've been doing that for, uh, for the last three years. We have one more year left. So we're rounding third and heading home. And uh, prayerfully, those projects will be completed and the finances will be given and we'll wrap up that round of vision. But I wanted to talk about it for, the next, for these last couple of weeks because we actually haven't talked about it much in the last two years because of everything tied to COVID. And so we spent the last two years uh, changing everything every other week based on whatever the governor's press conference said. Uh, and then lots of time like supporting each other, trying to reinvent how to do ministries, all those kind of things. But it was interesting through all that time, we got Restore built and there, that, that facility is filling up. It's working in powerful ways. Uh, we continue to develop leadership that's working in powerful ways and it was interesting, the thing that our community asked us for the most through COVID was our sports ministry. And they basically said, is there any way that you can get this to work? And so we worked with Summit County Health Department and we have had sports ministries functioning all throughout COVID. And it's been a lifeline for a lot of families in our community. So the ministry works in great, great ways. So we just wanted to bring that focus back and, and many of us are new to Grace over the last couple of years. Grace has launched two campuses in the last two years. 
And uh, many of you have come to Grace. This is kind of your first exposure to this part of who we are. And so we wanted to get us up to speed as a congregation. One of the things that we're doing is we're putting together dessert gatherings where I will meet with you or small groups of people if you are not tied to all in and all out. And you have this card on your chair. Grab that for me real quick. If you have not been tied to all in, all out, and you have questions or would love to hear the vision behind that, of course, we need to continue to support all in, out, all in, all out financially. If that is something that's interested to you, uh, I would love to connect with you in these desserts. And if you hit that QR code, if you're not sure what to do, just turn your camera on and point it at it, and it'll take you to a website or ask your, an eight-year-old. But like, if you hit that QR code, um, it'll take you to a sign-up. And guys, listen, if you never sat through an all-in, all-out discussion or talked about the finances of it or talked about the plan of it, I am asking you to sign up for that. Uh, I really do want to meet with you, and I really do want you to be up to speed. And there's a year left of all-in, all-out. It's an important year. And beyond even all-in, all-out, this is the way that we function as a church. If you've come here for... 22 years when we started the the Bath Campus, this is your third or fourth or fifth vision campaign because it's part of how we move things forward. So I'd really love to have those conversations with you. I would really love it if you would just give me an hour on on uh, uh, an evening or even on the weekend. I'd love to talk to you about it. I will buy you a two-inch square of cheesecake from Samuel's Club and uh, bribe you with that. Um, but this is a part, if you think of grace as your home, this is a part of how we function and how we work, and I would love for you to be a part of it, okay? So hit that QR code, sign up, and, and please come out to, to one of those things, all right? All right, this weekend as we're, uh, as we're talking and looking at the scripture, um, we've been talking about how, you know, here with All In, All Out, we just kind of decided to hit this new chapter, new day, Last couple years is behind us. We're moving forward with it. And that new chapter and that new day is rooted in the, in the a passion for the future, but tied to a vision from the past. And that plays out in very real ways. So that plays out with us having a vision to make Jesus make sense. That plays out to have a vision to rescue lost people. That plays out with a vision to love, serve, and journey with the hurting and, and that's what would motivate Grace Church to do the things that we do, right? We would, the reason that we helped to build the Restore Opioid Recovery House is because 50% of us were directly affected by somebody with an opioid addiction. And that's just opioids. We could get into alcohol and other things. And we're like, you know what? As, as a people of God, as a family of God, we need to respond to that. So we did. Uh, the reason that we raise up interns and, and, uh, and residents and help them get in the ministry is we looked at this last weekend because the, a church, a biblical church, starts other churches. That's the biblical model. That's how you know about Jesus is 500 years ago, some group of people decided to start a church and they decided to start a church and they decided to start one, start one, start one. And that's how you ran into the gospel in your personal life because they were following that biblical model. 30 and 30 is not Grace Church's model. 30 and 30 is Grace Church's nickname for the model that Jesus gave us in scripture, specifically through the book of Acts, all right? So we're like, that's why we would spend money on that. 
And the reason we would build a big athletic facility or do sports, uh, we would build an athletic facility because of where we live. If we, my friend lives in Phoenix, he's got a big church out there, they do all of their sports in their parking lots. We live in Akron, Ohio. Not a big option for us, right? So we're like, yeah, we gotta put it under roofs. No big deal. Buildings are tools, they're not trophies. But we see an opportunity where our community wants to connect with us and they are open to us connecting them to Christ. And so we would give ourselves to that or we would invest in that. It's just the way that we would think and it's the way that we would read the scripture and it's the way that we would go forward. We don't think that our plans or our vision are the only plans and the only vision that God gives a church. We just think it's the plans and the visions he gave to Grace Church. And so that's why we've taken the time to talk about that and that's why we've taken the time to, to invest in those things. What I wanna do this weekend is I, I wanna walk you through um, the practical side of this, a practical side of it that is kind of practical but is actually, Jesus would say, one of the most important focuses that you need to have eternally and one of the most important things that you need to talk about or to have your heart around when it comes to your relationship with him. And I wanna talk about money this weekend and how money plays out in our life, how it plays out in the church and why it's a tool that God wants you to use, all right? It's interesting when you look at the scripture, uh, we don't talk a ton about money here at Grace, but we don't apologize for talking about it because Jesus talked a ton about it. So he talked about more about money than he did marriage, more than he did heaven, more than he did hell, and more than he did prayer. He talked about money all the time, and if you go through the gospels of Jesus and the story of Jesus, you cannot escape him having a conversation with you about money. And so I wanna talk about it this weekend, and I wanna talk about how Jesus views money and what he would want us to understand about it and I think it's important to have the conversation. Now, for those of you who are newer to Grace Church or if you're our guest this weekend, one of the reasons why I wanna talk to you about it is because there, there's always been like this uncomfortable relationship between people and their money. Like we all kinda know that you don't look at somebody who pulls up in a new car and say, what'd you pay for that? How much was that? Or you got a new house and what, what'd you pay for that house? Or you don't ask people like how much money they make. Like there's this weird tension between us and our money and that tension kicks over into our, the church, into our religion. And so some of you were taught that uh, you can use money to buy favor with God. That's not true. That's not in the Bible anywhere. But you were taught that. Some of you were taught that it, you have relatives that are in a, in a purgatory or holding place and if you give money, you can spiritually release them from that. That's not true either. And then a real predominant conversation right now is that if you sow, they usually call it a seed of faith. If you sow a seed of faith, God will prosper you back. You sow 100 bucks, you get 1,000 bucks and your hair grows back. And that, that is really not true. In fact, that's one of the clearest signs of a false teacher in the scripture. So there's this tension, there's always this, we have this weird relationship with money and even talking about it. And Jesus of course knows that and he knows that it's tied to our heart. And I think that's one of the big reasons why he talks about it so much. So I wanna talk about it, I wanna talk about it because it's on our minds right now, inflation and gas prices and all that kind of stuff, we're all complaining about that. 
I want to talk about it because we're talking about all in, all out. And all in, all out has a financial component. All these things that we're talking about obviously take money to facilitate those things. And I want to talk about it because a lot of us are new at Grace because we start new churches. That means there's always a lot of new people at Grace. If you're new, you're not weird. You're uh, pretty common here at Grace. And I want you to know our perspective on it and our heartbeat on it and where that comes from and why that's important to us as, as a church family, okay? So I want to walk us through a passage of scripture and what Jesus is going to do, Jesus is going to explain the purpose of money in this passage. He's going to explain the danger of money and then I want to talk a little bit about what he says should be the, the focus of money. So got a Bible, grab it, Luke 16. This is on the app, it's on your phone. Luke 16, and what Jesus does in Luke 16 is he tells two parables, and a parable is a story that Jesus would make up. It's a, it's a story he would create to teach us an eternal truth, right? So it's just a metaphor or word picture, but that's what a parable is, right? So he's out and about, he's talking with folks, and he's talking to his disciples in Luke 16, and in Luke 16, he tells two different parables, all right? And the first parable is the parable that we call it the parable of the shrewd manager, the story he created about a manager. So verse one, chapter 16, Jesus told the story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting the employer's money. So the employer, the employer called him in and said, uh, what's this here I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, oh, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invented or he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And the second, he said, how much do you owe my employer? My employer, he asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and charge it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. So Jesus invents this story, like guy's gonna lose his job, and the guy's like, you've been ripping me off, I'm gonna fire you, get your affairs in order. The guy that's gonna get fired is like, what am I gonna do? Because I, I, I don't wanna dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg, which is the point. What I'm saying is I need this job because I also don't wanna dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg, so just vote for Jeff. That's all I'm saying, right? So he goes through this analysis real quick. He's like, what am I supposed to do? He's like, I know what I'll do. I'll win friends and influence people. And so he calls them in, cuts it in half, calls it in, drops it by 20%, gets fired, in the story, the employer is, is uh, kind of admires his shrewdness. He's like, that was, that was clever. He bought some favor. He bought some relationships on his way out the door. He's a rascal, 
but at least he was smart in how he did it. And then Jesus says, Jesus says, I, I, here's the lesson, right? So what Jesus does is he's gonna explain the purpose of money. So what is the point or what is the purpose of money? And then Jesus says, it's this, it is true that the children of the world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. And isn't that fascinating? Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's looking at them and he's saying, guys, I, I want you to see something. The people of the world recognize something that the children of light usually don't. They don't have the same tension with money that the children of light often have. And they understand something very, very basic about money. They understand that you can use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. In other words, they understand that money is a currency for relationships. And if you're wise, now Jesus isn't telling a parable anymore, he's giving the lesson. He's looking at them and he's saying, if you're wise, what you will do is you will use your money, it's the purpose of it, you will use your money to create relationships. And then I would expand upon that and I would say, and that's the best money you'll ever spend, right? When you spend money to take your loved one on a date, that's money well spent. When you spend money to take your family on vacation, that's money well spent. When you spend money to express love or generosity to somebody in need, that's money well spent. Because money is a currency for relationships. And Jesus is saying, the world recognizes that more than the children of light do. They recognize that when they use money to make friends and to influence people or to benefit others, that they're using money for part of its intended use, right? Now, I would add to that, when you use money to create relationships that have eternal value, it's money well spent. When you use money to build an athletic facility, because over the course of its life, hundreds of thousands of people will come into a neutral place to connect with relationships with other believers so that they can be influenced and drawn through a relationship with Christ, that's money well spent. When we spend money to go plant churches and that church planter walks into Nickeltown, South Carolina, like Corbin and Cartesia Hogue are doing right now and we're supporting them and they walk through there and they're creating relationships, that's money well spent, right? When you use money to help somebody break free from their addictions and you provide the resource that they need to do, it's money well spent. And Jesus said, this, this guy, this shrewd manager who's ripping his boss off at every turn, he understands something about money that the children of the light don't often understand. Okay? That the purpose of money, part of the purpose of money, is that you use it as a currency. 
of relationship. You use it to create platforms and environments where relationships can be held. And when you go on in the passage, what Jesus will say is, and you take those platforms and those environments, you give them eternal value, and now you have stored up or built up a treasure in heaven, okay? So Jesus explains the purpose of money. It's a currency for relationship. Now Jesus goes on in chapter 16, and he tells a second parable. And the point of the second parable is this, he's gonna explain the dangers of money, right? And the second parable is fascinating as well. So if you stay in chapter 16 and you go to verse 19, Jesus, right after he talks about the shrewd manager, he tells this second parable, and the second parable is also tied to money. And this is what he said in verse 19, chapter 16, there was a certain rich man who had a splendid, uh, who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. And at the gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died. He was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. He went to the place of the dead. And there in torment, the rich man saw Abraham in a far off distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm anguished in these flames." But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he's being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm between us. No one can cross over from here to there and no one can cross over from from there to here. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send them to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them that so they don't wind up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brother can read and, uh, what they wrote. And the rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Abraham and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone raises from the dead. So this, this is second parable. And Jesus is creating this story to teach this truth. And what he does is he purposely draws this very, very strong contrast. There's the poor man, Lazarus. He's covered with sickness. He's covered with sores. He's begging for scraps from the rich man's table. He is the loser in life. He is the non-achiever. He is the homeless person. He's the diseased person. He's the despised person. He's the guy you don't want to be. And then there's a rich man. And he is clothed in splendor. And he has everything that he ever wanted and he has achieved the, the peak of worldly wealth and achievement, they die and they switch places. Lazarus goes and he's in heaven in essence. The rich man goes as he's in hell and he's begging Abraham 
will you tell the people that I love? And Abraham says they've been told and they won't listen. Well, send somebody back from the dead, that's not gonna help either because they believe, they believe they've achieved, they believe that God has blessed them, they believe that they're living their best life now. And no matter what is said or what is told them, that belief system won't change. And he says this to that rich man. Abraham said to him, son, you remember during your life, you had everything you wanted. You had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing, so now he's being comforted and you are in anguish. And this passage is not a passage preaching against wealth. One of the biggest misconceptions of the Bible is that God preaches against wealth. God is not anti-wealth. If that were the case, then everybody who lives in North America would be on God's blacklist. God is not anti-wealth. God is anti-greed. And he's anti-pride and he's anti-idol. And when the rich man said, I've got wealth and I'm keeping it. I am not going to use it as a currency for relationship. And I've got wealth and I don't need God because I have everything that I want. Jesus is saying, you've deceived yourself. You've deceived yourself. And money, instead of being a currency for relationship, was a currency of deception. You thought that God was blessing you because of these things and God was despising these things. It's the exact opposite of everything that you would ever see in a prosperity TV preacher. And what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying money is dangerous. It's dangerous. And if you interact with money incorrectly, where you will wind up in your life is you will wind up of a place, in a place of regret and desperation. Every time. It is dangerous. And you will wind up in a place of regret and desperation. Sometimes here at Grace, what I say is that money is a tool, right? But it's a dangerous tool. A bunch of people have been asking, what happened to my thumb? Uh, what happened to my thumb was my thumb and a table saw got in an argument with each other right, because I was using a tool. And I was using a tool that can create beautiful things and it can create what I need it to create and it can accomplish what I need it to accomplish, but it's a dangerous tool. And when I use the tool wrong, when you get in an argument with a table saw, it's going to win every time, right? I used the tool wrong, and it took me to a place of pain. Jesus is not looking and saying rich people are horrible and poor people should be celebrated. What he's saying is one guy sold his soul for a dollar, and another guy gave his soul to God, or we would say to Christ. And when you sell your soul to the dollar, you will regret it and you will wind up in desperation because when you use a table song wrong, it always wins. So Jesus in Luke 16 here said kind of two big things so far. He said, first of all, I want, I, he's talking to his disciples, so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's you. He's like, guys, I want you to understand something about money. Money 
dominates life, that's why I talk about it more than marriage, prayer, heaven, and hell, dominates life. And I want you to understand there's a purpose for it. And the purpose is to use it as a currency of relationships. You can do incredible things with money. You can help people, you can feed people, you can reach people, you can reach people, you, 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 can, you can help people, you can do incredible things with money, but don't forget it's dangerous. If it gets away from you, if it loses its place in your life, it will bite you and it will bite you hard every single time. And when you use money outside of what it was intended for, you will regret it and you will wind up in a place of desperation. Now the last thing I want you to see is this. Jesus explains the purpose of money. He explains the danger of money. The last thing I want you to see is this. Jesus explains, he explains the focus of money. And this is one of his biggest statements that we would talk about at Grace a lot. And and if you grew up in the church, you, you might be familiar with. Jesus says that money, if I'm a Christ follower, I'm to have a focus when it comes to money. And this is how he says it. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will be also. Jesus looks at his followers and he says, guys, listen, there's a purpose of money, there's a danger of money. So what I want you to do is I want you to focus up storing up treasures in heaven. Because when you store up treasures in heaven, what happens is this, that wherever your treasure is, your heart is. When you focus your treasure, you focus your heart. When you focus your treasure, you focus your heart. And I want your treasure and your heart up here. I want it focused eternally, right? There's a purpose to money. There's a danger to money, which means that money can always cut both ways, right? Can you buy love? Of course not, you can't buy love. Can you express love with money? Yes, it cuts both ways. Can can you buy relationships with money? Of course you can't buy relationships with money. You absolutely cannot, not a real one. Can you facilitate relationships with money? Absolutely, you can facilitate relationships with money. Can money purchase eternal life? No, you cannot purchase eternal life. Can money propel the gospel forward so that people can find eternal life? The answer is yes. And the difference between those answers is focus. Am I using this money to do something eternal? Am I allowing my treasure to focus my heart? Or am I using this money for something that it's not intended to be used for. And it's all about focus, focus, right? So a few years ago, Heidi and I uh, and some friends went to Alaska and uh, we wanted to see nature and stuff like that. And my friend bought me these binoculars when we were in Alaska. And so it was awesome. You should definitely go to Alaska. It's, It's incredible. So one of the things we did was we went out whale watching one day and we wanted to see whales. 
And so we went out whale watching, and uh, to go whale watching where we were, you had to go out on the open ocean. So we were on this, like, but it was so much like the Gilligan Island theme song. So that's supposed to be a three-hour cruise. So, so we went out on this open ocean, and while we were out there, the weather started getting rough, right? And so the weather was, was rough, and it was crazy, but you want to see whales, and when you're going to be in Alaska again, so the boat's chopping around, and we're looking for, for whales, and the ocean's big, you know, the ocean's big, and so we're out there. So Heidi, she sees this whale, and she's like, there's a whale. I'm like, honey, it's me. <laughs> so, then, but then she like, she saw like this real whale and she's like, there's a whale out there. And it was like way, way out there. And I said, where? She goes, out there. And I said, I can't see it. She goes, well, use your binoculars. So I put the, I raised the binoculars up like this. You know, I'm looking, oh, I can see the back row. Hey, Steve. And so like, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking through the binoculars, but the boat is bouncing around like this and there's an ocean, and I'm like, I don't see it. And she's like, it's to your left. I'm like, they're, like Asia's to my left. Like you're back there and you're moving around. You can't see it. Like, you just can't, I cannot understand or find this thing. So I take my binoculars down and I'd squint again. And then she like pointed her arm and then I like tried to line up through her arm and this and that. And I was over about all over the place, ready, until I found it. And once I found the whale, I could focus on the whale and I could start to move with the sea because I fixed my focus on the right thing. And as the sea moved and the wind moved, because I was locked in, I was able to move correctly with it even though what I was looking at was far, far off. This is what Jesus is talking about here. He's like, this, this heaven in our perspective is far off. So what I want you to do is I want you to lock on to it with your money. I want you to lock on to it. And when you lock on to it, your heart will wind up, you'll get it. But you gotta lock on to it because there's, there's the church and there's a car and there's school and there's whatever the bill is and there's gas and there's inflation. And, but if you, can, if you can lock on to something eternal, then even as you deal with all those other things, your heart will stay engaged because your treasure is engaged, which is the purpose of money. Now, the reason, ready? The reason why we give and we tithe and we practice generosity is because it keeps eternity in focus. So like we, we, don't, we don't tithe at the church because God's broke. It, it's, a, it, it's a mooring thing. When we do things like all in, all out, and there's a, there's a financial campaign, what are we doing? We're just locking on to something. It's not the only thing in the world. It's not the only important thing in the world. 
but it's, it's a thing that God put on the heart of art, so we're just locking on to it. You, you do this with your generosity. When you help a family or you, you have causes that are important to you, and that's a good thing, that's a good thing. And when you start giving to that cause or giving to those people, you're locking on. And, and then you, your eye is on that in a unique, unique way with these one trillion other financial issues in your life. You care a lot about that. Why? Because you got it in an eternal focus. You found it. Now you can kind of roll with it. And your heart's there. And Jesus is just teaching us that. He's like, guys, that's the way that it works. I, I, he, I talk about money so much because it's always tied to your heart. And, and it, it's fascinating. Jesus tells us very little about specific things to spend money on. Widows, orphans, the poor, the kingdom, he never says anything about a car payment or vacation or whether you should do the cruise. He gives us enormous latitude with money. He, he doesn't micromanage us with money. He just says, but I just, just, but stay focused. Stay focused. Because the only thing in the ocean isn't that whale, but that's, that's the one that I put on your heart. Or that's the opportunity I have in front of you. And if you lock on to that, even though it's far off, you'll wind up in the place that I want you to be with your money. When we set our eternal focus, what we will often do is we will foresee the dangers of money. If I'm focused on that, then I rule this out, this out, this out, and this out because that's what's important to me. I set my focus, I foresee the dangers, and then what happens is I get to fulfill the purpose. And I'll get, I'll get into life and through life, right? And, and I'll, uh, I'll be most grateful for the things I did eternally. I've never regretted Supporting a missionary. Have you? I've never, I probably had 10 cars since we built this auditorium. I never regretted building this auditorium. Have you? I've never regretted feed my starving children. I've never regretted helping to create another pastor. I never have regretted the dollars that Heidi and I would give to, I, I, I never regret that stuff. I have all kinds of buyer's remorse about other things, but never about eternal things. And that's all Jesus is saying. He's actually not like dropping the hammer. He's like, guys, that wealthy man didn't have a focus. It's gonna come back to bite you. Y'all ready? David was a wealthy man, and God said he was a man after his own heart. Solomon was a wealthy man, he built the temple. Joseph was a wealthy man. Lydia was a wealthy woman, and she started the church in Acts. It's not about wealth. It's not about the guy's money. The guy, 
The guy just didn't have any focus to it. And it led him to despair, and it led him to regret. Lazarus was a poor man. He didn't have much to give, if anything. But he had a focus to his life. It paid off. So Jesus has a purpose. Jesus warns of a danger. Table saw is going to win every time. And then he would say, set your eyes on the eternal. And where you set your eyes, where you lock your treasure in, your heart's going to lock in with it. Okay. Now, I don't think Grace Church is the only good cause in the world. I do not think that. I do not think Grace Church is the only cause of Christ in the world. I don't think that. I'm just telling you how we approach money. We use it. Right? We use it for the kingdom of God. And what we do through things like all in, all out, or even things like our weekly, you know, online recurring giving, those kind of things, is we facilitate relationships with that stuff. We use it for God's purpose, right? And we watch the nickels and the dimes, and there is massive accountability at Grace Church with God's money. Why? Because it's dangerous. It's just a dangerous tool. And when you do that over many, many years, what happens is tens of thousands of people come to know Christ. Eight churches, nine churches are started over that time. People all over the world know about the good news of Jesus. And when you walked into a building that other people built, you heard the message of Christ and you didn't have to sit out in the rain. And all in, all out is just our nickname for doing this in our little slice of time on our little piece of dirt. Does that make sense? And I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be a part. I, I want you to be a part of the joy and I want you to be a part of the vision. I want you to put your treasure in it so that your heart lines up with it, right? And I, said this, I say the same thing to everybody all the time. If you come to Grace for a while, you've heard this conversation before. Because I, I see what God does when the people of God dial in. He affects eternity as he changes people's lives, okay? All right. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you and we're grateful to you. Thank you, God, that uh, you understand our heart this way. I, we don't understand our heart this way, but you do. And that you go out of your way to explain it to us, and you do that for us. God, thank you for the faithfulness of your people and how through their, their time and their effort, but also their treasure, God, tens of thousands of people have heard and responded to your gospel, Jesus. They facilitated the relationships. Countless people have felt your love. Countless people have been offered hope. Countless people have had their bellies filled up and had a warm roof put over their head. God, blessing upon blessing upon blessing because your church just simply did what you instructed us to do. So Jesus, thank you for trusting us that way. 
Thank you for trusting us with your mission. Thank you for trusting us with your message. And God, thank you for giving us unique and incredible and wonderful opportunities. We love you, Jesus. Focus our hearts even now.